This is the Personal Profitability Podcast with Eric Rosenberg. Hey there, profiteers, and welcome back for episode number 102 of the Personal Profitability Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Eric Rosenberg, and today we have an awesome guest from the FinCon community, which if you're a longtime listener, knowing that this is episode 102, you've probably heard of FinCon about 100 times by now. As you know, I love FinCon. But today's guest, uh, she's just awesome, and she would be here even if I didn't know her because of FinCon. So her primary thing is focusing on helping women with their money. She has a podcast and a book called Her Money Matters. Um, They're both great resources. Highly recommend you check them out. And she's also an accredited financial counselor. So not quite the same thing as a CFP or certified financial planner, but her certification is absolutely one that can help her help you with your money and, and living a better money life. Uh, she has a wide range of experiences. She's a military spouse and Spanish-speaking Latina, so she has um, some unique cultural takeaways that we might be able to get out of this episode, along with, as always, really great financial advice and information. So as we started doing with our last episode, no ad today, no one minute to wait, we're going to dive in right now to today's awesome interview. So let's turn it over and we'll get started with Jen Hemphill right now. Jen Hemphill, are you ready to get profitable? Absolutely. Awesome. I love it. So you've had a, quite a background. You're a Latina, you're a military spouse, and you combine those things to help people with their money. I wish I spoke Spanish a little better, though I don't know. No how hablas many... español? Poquito. Yeah, I Ay, poquito. Bueno, pues. Cuatro años en escuela. Did not do Solamente well. cuatro. They did not do that much for me. I, I, it's, it's funny. You know, like, I, it's funny. I've talked about this recently on my other show on Oh No, You Didn't, about how language education works. And I did a one-month Hebrew class in Israel, and I learned so much in that month because of how the teaching went. Then I mm-hmm. went back to Israel uh, about six months later for five months, it went to one of the top universities in the country, one of the best universities in the region. And I took Hebrew there and I struggled and felt like I went away not knowing that much. But it's interesting oh, how no. we teach languages. And like I think back to Spanish in high school and like I know how to say some kind of bizarre things that don't make any sense. Like I remember we like had an archaeology unit a unit we learned about aliens and stuff. So like I some I could say like you know, los extraterrestres están comiendo la basura en mi cuarto. Oh my goodness. But like, I don't so know how funny. to say like no mustard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that's that's my Spanish complaint is I, I for those who don't speak Spanish, I just said that the aliens are eating the garbage in my bedroom. <laughs> because that's something useful to say in a foreign language. Course, I, I know absolutely. when I land in Mexico City and I need directions to my hotel, pulling that out of my back pocket will be helpful. <laughs> <laughs> it, it would, it actually would. <laughs> well, actually, about two years ago, I was in Spain where the accent is so different. And, I, my, and the Spanish skills I had did really come in handy there. So I will not knock foreign languages. And uh, it made my travel much better. And when I went to France and they were like upset with me, I didn't speak French. I'm like, hey, I speak English. I speak Spanish, kind of. I speak Hebrew, kind of. Not that many people speak French compared to Spanish, right? (laughs) Right. 
<laughs> well, anyway, let's get into money and stop talking about Spanish. So you're so funny. Oh, that, that's what I, I go in these tangents. I, I, I get so passionate about so many things. <laughs> so, so how did you get into the world of you know, financial education and financial advising? What was what was your background like that brought you on that path? Well, my background is nowhere near money because basically because I'm a military spouse, when I uh, met my husband, I was actually doing something completely different. I had, don't even ask me about my different degrees because they have no relation, (laughs) correlation to money. But when I married my, and we won't get into that because that's a completely another tangent. But when we got married and I realized how much moving we were going to be, we've been married right now, 17 years, and we've moved between and I I lost track eight or nine times. So that's a lot of moving to have to be able to maintain a stable career. And my career was important to me. But what was also important to me was when we started having kids, I wanted to be at home, I wanted to be a stay at home mom and have a career. So I wanted to have my cake and eat it too. So I started exploring my options to figure out and this, this actually was like, 10 years after we got married, what can I do? And I was always interested in finance. Uh, I was the one that managed the money. I, we did pretty well. We, we made mistakes. I was, I wasn't perfect. There was a point in life that I got, we got, or I personally got stuck, but that was a passion of mine. And in uh, the military community, they're good about trying to support military spouses because we do make a lot of sacrifices with the moves and everything. So there was an email my husband sent to me because he felt that I would be interested about a military spouse fellowship, which is funded by the FINRA Education Foundation. And basically it's to become an accredited financial counselor. Uh, So I applied uh, for that fellowship. I got accepted. And uh, that's that's what started it, uh, was becoming an accredited financial counselor. And then my eyes opened to the world of online businesses and what you could do online. And I'm like, oh my goodness, this is where I need to be. So that's what started all was just being being in the right place in the right time in terms of that fellowship, applying, uh, uh, getting accepted, and then really seeing the opportunities of how you can build a business online. You know, two things I really love that resonate with me from your story. One, you saw an opportunity, you saw a door open up, and you actually walked through. So many people have opportunities like that, that they're just like, oh, it sounds like too much work <laughs> or too much hassle. I have to go to classes and spend money. And you don't improve your life without improving yourself. So, you know, big high five for you. I, I like to high five. Oh, thank you. And when I high five, I just like I clap felt- next to the microphone. <laughs> I felt it. <laughs> and uh, number two, there is such a need for financial information and financial literacy on military bases. Like there was actually, mm-hmm. you know, out here in California, specific laws passed against payday lenders right next to yes. military bases because it's such a huge problem. And people will go and they'd take these loans and they'd see, you know, 20% that looks like a credit card, but that's like 20% a week, not 20% yes. a year in interest. It's like all these things that, you know, people don't have a strong background in, in money. Um, now you are there with real proximity to the people who need it most, but then you can expand your audience more by reaching the whole world online. Like it's like building this great foundation for huge success. Like it's awesome. 
It is. I mean, just the advancement with technology and the doors that have been opened with that is crazy. Because when I first, I'm aging myself. Yes, I've been married 17 years. And it's crazy to think in the year 2000, the internet was still relatively new, right? So just at that time when we got married, there was no, the internet was there, but there was no, the opportunities that there are now weren't there. (laughs) <laughs> for sure. So that has drastically changed and it's it's been a blessing. You know, it's like a couple of years ago I was I spoke at FinCon in San Diego and I opened my talk asking what everyone wanted to be when they grew up. So I'm curious, what did you want to be when you grew up? A professional dancer. I love that. <laughs> I see, That's so I, much fun. Seriously, hands down. When I was born in Colombia and when I was little, my parents had, they had that entrepreneurial spirit. So they had outside of uh, Bogota, the capital in a town called Chia, they had a restaurant slash discotheque. Yes, this was like in the late (laughs) 70s. I'm I'm really aging myself here. I'm not a millennial, obviously. But anyways, this was a, like I said, a restaurant slash discotheque. And we also lived there as well. So it was like in conjunction with the house, we lived upstairs or something like that. And I would sneak down like when the party was going on and the people were dancing because I just loved, loved dancing. And I just had always an aspiration of become a professional dancer. It didn't happen, but I will tell you, I will get on that dance floor. (laughs) It doesn't matter. And dance. But at FinCon this last year, I was party rocking and shuffling so hard. I almost passed out. (laughs) <laughs> oh no. No, I didn't really. Well, I didn't out. bump into you because I, I, I was right there. <laughs> it was fun. It was fun. But, um, you know, so the reason I asked that question, though, you know what you didn't say you wanted to be when you grew up? A blogger because it didn't exist no. yet. Like all this stuff that we're doing, <laughs> it didn't exist when we were kids. You know, I'm a millennial and it didn't exist when I was a kid. You know, I remember getting my first computer when I was 10. You know, my, uh, my two year old, even kids much older than two, like my little cousins who were like 10. They'll never remember before we had the internet in our pockets all the time. Right. So times are changing really quickly. So taking advantage of these opportunities to reach a bigger audience is such a huge opportunity. And as you've been building this business, what lessons have you learned along the way from your own money? And where do you see people struggling the most that you're able to offer advice that helps? In terms of building a business, what the lessons I have learned is to, you have to listen to yourself, right? And it goes with along with money as well, because early on uh, I was, you know, you hear about online marketing and then Facebook ads and uh, build a funnel and build your list and, op- and landing pages and sales pages and all this stuff. And I'm like, okay, I got to do this and do that. And I didn't do anything right. Like I created an online course, but I had no list. I didn't understand that what list building was because I just literally tried to absorb as much information without really understanding it. I should have listened to myself first and build at my own steady pace instead of like trying to do it all because doing it all didn't get me anywhere right away. Right. Uh, so that's the lesson. And it really goes with, with personal finance as well. We, we tend to listen to the money experts advice, uh, and follow that to a T, but we don't listen to ourselves and the money experts are talking to the masses. They're not talking to you individually because you're the expert in you. They're not the experts in you. So it, it goes kind of uh, both ways in the two sides. You've said specifically that certain 
expert advice, and I say expert with my air quotes, um, <laughs> can harm your finances and harm your money. Where have you seen you know, common wisdom out there that has been shared either by talking heads on TV or, or wherever else that has hurt people's money? Right. So it's not specifically to the specific advice, but it's more to how the experts talk to the masses. So for example, I was one of those people where I read the personal finance books, uh, cause I was all, I mean, I still am, but I was at the beginning of our marriage all into personal finance because I was like, we're going to build wealth. We're going to get out of debt. And 10 years later, we were still almost in the same place. Like we had moved, but the needle wasn't moving that much. And I was wondering, I'm like, if I'm following these experts advice, what in the world am I doing wrong? So what I mean by that is that it's great to follow the advice, but you have to follow your own instinct and gut because you know, your what stage of life you're in, what, you know, what season of life, you know, you've heard that you have to follow that because it may be that, for example, a common suggestion or advice for emergency funds is to have three to six months of expenses, which is great, right? And that's that's ideal. But if you tell someone that they need that and they they barely have maybe even $50 of a discretionary money every month to build three to six months of expenses seems overwhelming, right? Mm -hmm. uh, so, and then what happens is then they give up, oh, I can't do that, right? So it's really looking at where you're at and starting where you're at and building one step at a time and not letting that expert advice, for example, the three to six months of expenses overwhelm you. Uh, use that as a guidance, but start where you're at. And one other quick question. I know you've talked before about a fun thing you can do with your money that few people do, one of the easiest ways to manage your money. What is your secret there? For a fun thing is really celebrating money wins. What we tend to do as human beings is just natural. We live in a culture that it's just go, go, go. We have a list to do for the day. We uh, tackle it. Maybe we don't get it done and then we move on to the next thing. But what we don't do is acknowledge what we did accomplish. So let's say you've had a rough day and you realize, oh, I didn't get through all my lists or finished all my tasks, accomplished, you know, uh, maybe following up on some leads, whatever it is for your business. And you get upset, right? That makes you had a bad day. And on top of that, you didn't finish what you, you set out to do. So you feel awful. But yeah. instead, if you celebrate what you did accomplish, your money wins or just wins in your business or wins in your life in general, that's going to make that bad day or that day that's just started out rough so much better instantly. And I think that's really, really important to do. Something I talk about all the time. I, I always talk to my clients about it in my podcast, Her Money Matters. I think it's very, very crucial to do. Yeah, something I think is interesting, which is, I think, changing a bit generationally. We are so afraid to talk about money. I remember this one girl I dated who I had known her for years and years before we started dating, and she got like apprehensive when I brought up any kind of business success I was having online, and I wasn't mm -hmm. even talking about my main income, and she just got uncomfortable that I would talk about money at all. So, you know, breaking down that taboo and shedding off your fears and self-doubts about talking about money, that is a huge step forward as well. Because if you're like nervous about money, it makes it so hard to celebrate those wins. 
So make sure Absolutely. To, to get rid of that mental block. You know, money is something that should help empower you to live the life you want, not the thing that holds you back. So yeah, definitely celebrate. I love that advice. That's, that's so funny. Right. And with talking money, I think it's always important. When we think of talking money, we think of talking, oh, we need to pay off that debt. Oh, the bills didn't get paid or whatever the case may be. But money conversations don't have to be about those direct money related things. It can be about those successes that you've had, right? It can be about maybe some tip that you have found a money related tip that you have found helpful. It could be maybe about maybe some challenge, just light talk. Because when we start talking about money in terms of, oh, this bill didn't get paid, or maybe uh, we ran out of money, we don't have enough money to do this, or, oh, your spouse overspent or you overspent, that's not a fun conversation, right? That definitely makes for a tense conversation. But instead, if you have other get in the habit of having money conversations in terms of, oh, we did this right and celebrating that. And when I meant, I need to clarify this because I recently <laughs> I was uh, interviewed on another podcast about, and we were talking about money wins. He's like, so if I save $50, can I go and on a $500 and spend $500 on dinner? I'm like, okay, we got to clarify that. <laughs> oh, how I, I would celebrate. hope that is obvious <laughs> what the answer would be. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. So celebrating the money wins doesn't involve money. It's it's really more about acknowledging and feeling good. So I just wanted to make sure I clarify that. See, I don't feel like one of my biggest money wins isn't something that has even all that much to do with physical money. It's you know, that I'm mm -hmm. able to work at home and control my schedule. That exactly. was a big step in my career. And yeah, I'm making more than I did before. Not enough that my life is totally different. But one way I celebrate that I love is... If I decide, if I work really hard all morning, and it's like two in the afternoon, and I want to take my little two-year-old girl to get ice cream that costs, you know, five, six bucks for the two of us, that's mm -hmm. a huge celebration to me because it's a special moment I get to spend with my daughter that I wouldn't have in my old career path. And it only costs a few bucks. So that's, you know, be creative with how you celebrate. It, you, it's not Absolutely. just the $500 dinner. It can be the, yeah. I get this 20 minutes with my little girl that I wouldn't have had otherwise. And that's priceless. Absolutely. I can't agree more. So tell me about your new book you have coming out. I know you've, you've been hammering away at the keyboard on this one. So, so what's, oh, uh, what's, my goodness. what's coming yes. down the pipeline? So basically with this book, I wasn't on my horizon until about a year, a little over a year ago when I was approached to write, to write a book. You know, I consider myself a podcaster because when I tried blogging, I literally in one year probably wrote maybe two, three blog posts. No, I'm, I'm not joking. <laughs> uh, so I really wasn't a blogger, but a podcaster, I claim it. Uh, so I had reservations at first, but just the honor that someone came and asked to write a book, I decided let's do this. And basically what I, the focus of this book is called Her Money Matters, The Missing Truths from Traditional Money Advice. And what I focus on is we are used to hearing that traditional advice of say, save more, spend less, get out of debt, right? But there are some well, I, missing truths or missing gaps that I talk in the book, which include our past money stories. So it's really, really important to uh, acknowledge and understand what you heard about money, what you experienced, what you saw, because that really affects your relationship with money, how you manage money. And if we don't acknowledge, if we don't look back and really acknowledge that, we can repeat that cycle. So for example, 
growing up, my I always heard from my parents, we can't afford this, we don't have the money. Those are two phrases that I heard in and out all my life. And when I grew up, I, even though I was a good saver, a, a good money manager, I still had those phrases going on my mind all the time. So that affected how what we did with our money. I became very frugal, which there's nothing wrong with being frugal because you can save money. But the danger in that for me was that I became so frugal that I was afraid to spend. Why? Because I was afraid not to have money. Yes, it's all good to save and invest and get out of debt, but it's also there's a fine point. You also have to enjoy life too, because when you go, you can't take the money with you, right? So basically the group is broken down into what I call the money headquarters. And in the money headquarters, we have our money mindset, which this is where the money stories come in, our money actions, which can be negotiating those type of things, and our money skills, which is the budgeting. In our money headquarters, what I've seen and what I was I was doing, I was focusing a lot on the money skills. But in how I see these money headquarters, the money skills really only compose 10% of your money headquarters. So your mindset which is about 60%. Well, again, this is my perspective. Uh, your mindset's like the foundation of a home. So a foundation of the home, if it's cracked, if it's not sturdy, it, it doesn't really lead to a good home, right? It's, you're going to have issues all throughout. So you have to have a strong mindset. And then your money actions, you build upon the home. And again, it just it's another component of your money headquarters and your money skills. Again, this is what we focus most on and which is why I wrote this book. It really are more like the bricks or the stucco or whatever it is to finish off the house. So I focus on those three components and what I've seen is missing for to have a better financial life. Awesome. Well, there will be a link to that book in the show notes. If anyone wants to connect with you, wants to learn more, wants to see what you're up to on that big old internet out there, where should they go? <laughs> Simply, you can go to jenhemphill.com. And if you're interested in the book, you can just go to jenhemphill.com forward slash book. Awesome. And as always, those will be in the show notes. Thank you so much, Jen, for taking the time to chat with us today. Oh, thanks so much for having me. I appreciate it so much. Well, there is another one in the vault, ladies and gentlemen. And I have to say a quick little high five to Jen for her name, because I'm married to a Jennifer who often goes by Jennifer short. Just an extra little bit of love for you right there. But anyway, thanks everyone for listening till the end. I really do think Jen has a great podcast and blog that are very worth checking out. So head over to her website for more. There's information on that in the show notes at personalprofitability.com slash episode 102. But enough for me for right now. As always, a big thank you for leaving a rating. I hope I earned a five-star rating and a good review from you an Apple podcast that helps me get the word out and helps other people discover this show. So that's super valuable. If you could take just a minute and share it with a friend, it would mean the world to me as well. It really makes my heart feel full when I know I've been helpful enough that it's worth it for you to share what you learned with someone else. So that's all I have for you for today. Thanks as always for sticking around till the end. And until next time, stay profitable.